All right. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Hope you guys are doing well today. Glad to have those of you guys that are in town with us this morning. My name is Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors on staff. And let me just officially welcome you guys again. And let's do this. And if you're a first-time guest or if you're watching online, let's give you guys a shout-out real quick. Glad to have you guys this morning. Hey, real quick, my sister's in town today. Can we say hello, Jenny? And, and my, be- my very best friend from college, the great-headed guy, much far greater than, greater than I am, Danny Logan. Just say, what's up, Danny? <laughs> That's right. You're my college friend. You're going to get shouted out when you show up in church. Sorry about that. All right. So uh, let's have a little fun as we get started today. This is the 4th of July. So uh, I know many of you guys are very patriotic, and you probably know your American history. So... Uh, let's just, let's just ask, what are some of the most famous founding fathers that, that we have in American history that you would just know their face if you saw it? All right, just shout some out. Who, who's the first one? George Washington. All right, we got a picture of George. All right, we got George. Who else? You just like, you would recognize his face. He's an image you cannot forget. We got Benjamin Franklin. We got Ben, we got Ben up there. Ben Franklin, you guys recognize him? Somebody else said Jefferson. That's probably, I would, I would rank him number three probably. Anybody else? I think, honestly, if I think once we get beyond like two or three, we, I could not pick him out in a crowd. If all of a sudden Abe Lincoln jumped me and mugged me, I would probably recognize Abe. But like, I would, I would not recognize John Adams. I would not. But here, um, I think there, there's probably one we would recognize maybe more than all of them, and that would be this. Sam Adams, all right, so this is not a message about alcohol today, so uh, I will, I will, I'm going to refer back to Sam in a little while, we've got other reasons to show you Sam, all right, so, but let's do this, Uh, let's just acknowledge that probably a lot of us would not recognize uh, some of our more, more prominent early founding fathers, and that's okay, this is not that big of a deal, however, um, you may not recognize the face of those guys, but here's what we recognize. I, I believe we recognize that in America, we love our freedom. Am I right? Uh, I would say in Columbus, Georgia. That was totally weak, right? Uh, in Columbus, Georgia, we appreciate our freedom, especially because we live in a town where there are many who have sacrificed their lives uh, to a, a very great degree. So thank you for those of you that have sacrificed. Uh, we, we, love, we love freedom. And I, I, would say that, that I would say that God is probably woven in the hearts of every man, woman, and child, whether you're American or not, uh, the desire to be free, to live free, to have freedom. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to show us uh, what I think is probably the most famous, uh, greatest uh, writings that Jesus ever wrote that were on freedom. And so if you've got your Bible today, I'm going to have you look up John chapter 8. John chapter 8, that's going to be found in the New Testament. If you have your Bible today, uh, look that up. If you don't have a Bible, bring one next week, all right? We're, we're going to start, like, ponying up on having Bibles in church. That sounds so old school. But I just think so many of us remember when we're able to write notes and actually underline in your Bible because we've got these cool notes. I, I have those cool notes up here also. I throw mine away, but I don't throw my Bible away. So if you've got a Bible, bring it next week with you. We're, we're, we're going to really ask you to have these. If you don't have your Bible, no big deal. 
Most of you are brand new to Bible study. This is a new thing, studying God's Word. So we always have them printed out in notes, and we'll always have them up on screens. All right. But John chapter 8. Everybody say John chapter 8. All right. We're going to do this kind of interactively this morning. Um, And I'm going to give you some context for this passage. Uh, Jesus wrote the best stuff I think he ever wrote uh, right here. in. uh, It was penned in the book of John. Um, and honestly, not so different from what was going on in American history, like back in 1776, that the first century Hebrews uh, literally uh, were being oppressed. Uh, their, their oppression was much like what early oppression was for our culture, 1776. Uh, but they were being oppressed and under the tyranny of the Romans. Uh, so, so many of these people, uh, they love freedom but they had little of it. Uh, they, they didn't have a whole lot of freedom right then. Um, and so they, they, these, these guys were followers of Jesus, the, the people that we'll be speaking about this morning. you got a few different groups. you got Jesus haters. You've got some people that are kind of like, ah, on the edge, maybe about to believe, some not. And then you've got these guys who are really followers of Jesus. All right, so in John chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 31, and we're going to dive through this passage and I'm going to key in a little bit later on on a couple words that I think are going to really uh, sink in our hearts and do some special stuff today. John chapter 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed in him, he's talking about Jesus, Jesus said to them, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, if you really want to be my disciple, literally, if you, if you really want to be near me, close to me, have the benefit of, of knowing me. If you're going to really walk with me, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to hold on to, cling to, cherish uh, what I've said and what I've done. Not just knowing it, but doing it, living it out. Um, he goes on to say, if you'll do this, verse 32, then, and I'm going to have you read uh, the highlighted word there, then you will what? You will know the truth. So if you'll if, if, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to do this through um, clinging to, holding to, activating and working through what I've done for you. If you'll do this, if you hold to my teaching, then and only then will you know the truth. And if you know the truth, then what happens when you know the truth, truth is that you are set what? Free. All right, give you guys yourselves a hand. Great job. Great job. Great job. Good job this morning. All right, already. So that's what our king says to, us, says to us. That's what he proclaims. If you will follow me and hold to my teachings, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's what he promises us. So here's the point. If you consistently ingest biblical truth, if you consistently are just devouring God's word, putting it in your heart, it will liberate your life. The truth will set you free. So, uh, have you ever known somebody that uh, is a really messy person? Not just like if you've got a roommate or something and they've got a messy room. They're just messy. They're, they've got a bunch of junky habits. You know, they've got, they've got some real issues. And you're around them. And you're like, dude, this lady, she's got issues. Dude, this guy, man, bro, he's got issues. You ever know people like that that have like major issues, all kind of habits, all kind of issues and problems, but they don't know it? You ever known somebody like that? Then sometimes they're critical and they're looking at everybody else like, man, they got issues. You're like, dude, you got the issues. 
Have you known somebody like that? All right, so what's happening here uh, is these people have some issues that Jesus is talking to. They've got some dysfunction. In fact, they're, they're, uh, they're pretty messy, but they don't know it. They have no clue that they got an issue. And Jesus is wanting to open their hearts up, have a conversation with them, and take them to a whole new level that they've never been spiritually before with him. Now, these are not haters, remind you. They're not haters. These are followers. But Jesus knows that they've got something going on that they're really missing. They're unaware of. They're in denial. And he speaks to this. So in verse 33, skip down a little bit, uh, they answered him. And that, this is what they say. They say, we're, we're Abraham's descendants. And we've never been slaves before. How can you say that we shall be set free? Like, they're like, uh, what do we need to be set free from? And Jesus is like, you got issues, and you need to be set free from some of your junk. You need to move beyond some of the places that you are at in your life. You're over here, I want you over here. And they're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? We don't have anything we've got to be set free from. Again, they're not haters, but these guys are in denial, because these guys are forgotten like this massive chunk of their history. Like I know a lot of us, it's, it's easy to forget the images of our early forefathers of the American culture. These guys have just gotten forgotten 430, 430 years of enslavement. They were slaves uh, in a few generations to a tyranny, to a rule, to a, an oppression where they were literally like whips and like beatings and like legitimate slavery, and they don't even remember where they've come from. So these guys are in denial. And it's really crazy and ironic that in our culture, many of us, many of us as Christians, we find ourselves in the same shoes oftentimes, and we become blind and we forget our own bondage, some of our own issues. So Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, now, if, if Jesus ever starts something out and he says, very truly, I'm, I'm telling you, buckle up. Because he's about to drop something hot. He's about to roll out a truth that's, gonna, that, that's transforming, that's powerful. So he says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Right? Meaning that, that all of us are sinners. And if I asked you around this room and we said, all right, you got to sin, tell us what it is. We're not going to do that today. But everybody would, would have to raise your hand and you'd have to say something because if you didn't, you'd be lying and that would be a sin. And, and so we're, we're all in this boat. We all have some junk. Uh, and he says, everyone ha- who has sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family. And now he begins to give us some good news. right? But the son belongs to it forever. So... And here's some powerful stuff. So, if the Son sets you free, you will be what? Free indeed. Let's just say that whole sentence together real quick. So, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Say that loud one time. We will be free indeed. One more time. Free indeed. So, if the Son sets us free, the Bible says we will be free indeed. So, he's, so Jesus is speaking some powerful stuff to these groups of people who are listening, who don't have a clue that they've got anything to set, be set free from. But now all of a sudden it's starting to dawn on them, oh, I, I, think, I think I might know where he's going. 
So really, what's, what is Jesus saying here? Uh, and I'll just say, I think Jesus is saying, what he's saying is that you might be free, but not fully free. Does that make any sense? Like you, you might be free, but not fully free. So you might be somewhat free, but not all the way free. Uh, another way to say this is, and I'm not sure this is correct English, but I, I like it like this anyways. You might be free, but you could be freer. Freer. Is that a real word? Anybody? Freer. All right. So here's the point. I think for some of us, you might, you might have bowed the knee. You might at some point in your life made Jesus the leader and forgiver of your life. But I think what God would say to all of us is, you might have been set free, like you might be saved, but you aren't all the way there. You could be freer. Now, what does that mean? Because this is, sounds a little bit like, are you saying we've got to work for our salvation? No, let me tell you what salvation is. Let's talk about salvation for just a minute. Salvation is something that is free. The Bible literally says that salvation is a gift, and by definition, a gift is something that's received. A gift, by definition, is something that is free. Uh, Paul expounds on what Jesus talks about in Ephesians, and he explains it like this, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Famous verse, this is one you ought to memorize, it says this, For it is by what? Grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourself, it is a gift of God. So by definition, it's free. It's a gift. A gift, all you have to do is receive it. So God is talking, Paul is talking about what God has done for us, and he says that salvation is a free gift, not anything we can do, not by our works, not by our efforts, because we understand, I think most of us would grasp, there's nothing I can do that would ever merit or be good enough to win God's salvation for me. I'm not good enough. I don't have the ability to be perfect and to earn my own salvation or even God's approval. I can't do that. So we can't do it by works. And the good news is that really no one can boast about it. No one can say that I ever did that. So so even better than this passage, one of the the verses I love even better than this, uh, here's one that has both sides of this equation. Paul goes on in Romans 6, same author, Chapter 6, verse 23, he says this, For the wages of sin is death. Now that's one side of the coin. That's like wah, wah, wah. That's bad news. He he explains that sin leads to death. John 8, Jesus said sin brings enslavement. Um, Paul in Ephesians said sin leads to death. So we see sin as bad news. It will rob you of a lot of stuff. Uh, It will mess you up. I've done some really dumb things in my life, and I carry battle wounds. I carry some scars from those. I carry some woundedness from, 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 from some of those, right? All of us have made some mistakes. We've done some dumb things. We've blown it at times, and Paul just reminds us, like, wah, 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 bad news. Sin leads to issues. Ultimately, sin leads to death. That's what they're explaining here. But, and here's the great news, but... The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So salvation is a gift from God. You don't work for it. You don't merit it. It's a free gift. And with salvation, you may not feel good enough, but that's okay because he's good enough. All we have to do is say yes. 
Philippians. Let me show you Philippians. Philippians 2.12 says this. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What? Wait, didn't I just say salvation was a free gift? How is it all of a sudden the same author who said that we, don't have, we can't do anything to earn the gift of salvation, how is the same author, Paul in Philippians, now saying that we've got to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? Like, you've got to go to work. You've got to actually do something. What's Paul saying? All right, is this a contradiction? Think about it. Is this, is it could this be a contradiction in Scripture? Let me, let me tell you what I think is being said here. How is salvation a free gift? but then it's up to us to work it out. All right. Notice it doesn't say work for your salvation. It says work out your salvation. There's a clue. And I think what Paul is saying here is, you were saved the second you said yes to Jesus. In the moment, in the nanosecond that you bowed the knee or, or bowed your heart, or you said yes, you, 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 you acknowledged, I need a Savior, I need salvation. In that moment, Scripture says that you were saved because it's a free gift of God. And what I would say is, at that moment when you bowed the knee and Jesus declared you a son or declared you a daughter, he declared you saved by what he did, what we would say is you're positionally saved. My position in Christ is I'm a son. I didn't declare it, God declared it. All I had to do is receive the gift that he gave me. I'm positionally saved. But here's the thing what I think Paul's talking about. We're positionally saved... But are we practically free? We're, we're, we're positionally free by what Jesus did for me, but am I practically free? He saved me, but now what Paul is saying is, i got to sort of man up and make some choices to continue to move along in my growth with Christ. I'm positionally free, but am I practically free? Let me... Uh, let me explain it like this by, if you'll permit me to get up in, up in your stuff for just a minute, all right? Um, and don't answer this out loud, all right? We've been talking, I've been getting some response, whisper in your neighbor's ear, don't respond because he'll embarrass you, all right? Just go ahead and whisper that, don't, don't respond, all right? Don't say, don't give me an answer on these, all right? Uh, so you're free, all right? We might be free, but are we free indeed? So here's the question, are you a Christian but are, but are you still addicted to something? Are you a Christian, but you, do you still have a habit or something you just can't break free from? Are you a Christian, but you still have a destructive habit that you can't handle? Are you a Christian, but you're so financially sideways in your finances that you're, you're a slave to the debtor? Is that, is that where potentially you're at? All right. Are you potentially angry, so angry, so hurt, so wounded that you're still bitter at someone for something they did 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago? Are you a Christian, and do you still have that hang-up? All right, are you a Christian couple? And are you struggling because marriage is stale? Maybe, even, maybe marriage, marriage is toxic. All right, here's the deal. You're saved by grace... But you're, but you're not totally free indeed. All right, I'm saved by what Christ has done for me. I'm free, but I'm not what Paul's referring to or what Jesus was referring to as free indeed. What Paul is saying is, I'm saved, 
But I've got to start making some choices and working out my salvation. I've got to like make some hard choices. I've got to kind of grind some things out. I've got to break a sweat here. I've got to go to work and I've got to work this out. Why? Because I recognize the sacrifice he made for me. We know all sacrifices, all great sacrifices, um, all, any, all freedom that we have is done by someone's great sacrifice. I acknowledge we live in an amazing city, and we've got men and women that have sacrificed their own blood for our freedom. Jesus sacrificed his life and gave us freedom by sacrificing his blood. Because of that, because of that love, because of that free grace, it ought to be something that I recognize I want to continue to change my life through what Christ has done, done for me. I'm positionally free, but I want to become practically free. I'm going to work this out by making some good choices. Let's, let me just talk about how this works. All right, so if you're angry, um, and when I say, who are you angry at, all of a sudden you can picture that person immediately. And you, you, you instantly think of the wrong that they, 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 they did to you. And you, you, you start breaking a sweat. You start getting that emotion that every time they show up, you see them around town, they show up maybe at your house. Man, you just, you're, you're mad because you're still wounded, because you're still hurt. You've not forgiven them. You want to forgive them, but you just can't. And most of the time, if you're honest, you would say, I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to let it go. I don't want to be the one who drops this. Can I just say that maybe it has nothing to do with your feelings, that you can't do this? Maybe it just needs to be a choice. Maybe it just needs to be a hard choice that we would make. Right now, could it be that your choices, right now your choices are a slave to your emotions? Maybe your choices are a slave to your your emotions. Let's make our emotions a slave to your choice. Maybe it's just Paul saying, hey, it's just got to be a choice. You have strength in Christ. You have you have you you are positionally a son of the Most High King. God wants us to be free, but He wants to go beyond just salvation, freedom of salvation. He wants us to be practically free. He wants us to work that out. He wants us to make a hard choice and say, you know what? Because I've been forgiven, I'm going to just choose to forgive. Ultimately, so that we'll make our emotions a slave to our choices. And every time that we continue to make that hard choice and sweat and work and say, you know what, I'm going to choose to live this way, I'm going to choose to forgive because he's forgiven me, ultimately what will happen is, eventually, your emotions will submit to your choices. That's good stuff. Eventually, if you continue and you don't quit, and you say, no matter what, how bad my husband or my wife or that guy betrayed me or this person wounded me, I'm going to continue forgiving them, and I'm going to make my emotions, emotions submit to my choice. Why? Because Jesus gave his life for me. Because he sacrificed it all for me, that's going to give me the strength to work out my salvation. And ultimately, the person you set free isn't your offender. It's you. So right now, you're, you're in bondage to that person who hurt you. Know this, God hates bondage, but he loves freedom. He's talking about it. God wants us to live free. He wants you to be free 
Not just free, but free indeed. So what do we do? We declare war through Christ. And we want to live in freedom. So when the Son has sent you free, we're free spiritually. When the Son has set you free, we're free emotionally. We're free physically. We're free eternally. When the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. Now, there is another uh, American, great American uh, that you guys would probably recognize, Booker T. Washington. You guys remember Booker T. Washington? You guys remember him? All right, let me tell you a quick story about Booker T. He was literally born into slavery in America, born into slavery. Uh, devastating, devastating uh, environment that he was in. Uh, he was a little boy when Abe Lincoln uh, set the saves free by signing off and making the law slaves could be set free. That was called the Emancipation Proclamation. All right? And when they heard about it, when Booker T. and his family heard about it, the word started getting out that you're free, you're free, free. Word's getting out. They didn't all of a sudden free, feel free immediately. In fact, they, they probably whispered around like, are you sure about this? I'm not so sure about this. I don't feel free. I don't know that anything has exactly changed. Maybe we should continue living and doing what we've done before because we might still be slaves. So they were free, but they didn't feel free until the next morning that they woke up. Now, symbolically, he had a rooster. That would, that would do his rooster, you know, every morning, right? It's not a very good rooster, I know. But every morning, that rooster would remind him that today I'm waking up for another miserable day as a slave. So they despised that rooster. So the next morning, he recalls, this is history, looking out his window and seeing his aged mother out there chasing around that rooster. Kind of like, like the movie Rocky Balboa, he's chasing around. He's, she's, she's an old lady, tracking down, she jumps on this rooster. Now if you're PETA, I'm sorry what I'm about to say, but she grabbed that joker and wrung his neck, killed that, that chicken, that rooster. Got him all ready, fried that bad boy up, and they had that rooster for breakfast. And this is what he said, as I ate that chicken, I felt free. <laughs> Right? Because every morning they woke up and that rooster crowed and reminded him of the misery that he would endure that very day. So when the next day woke up and he saw his mom cooking that turkey or that chicken and they ate it, he said, I felt free. Here's the point. Here's the point. We are saved by the living God who declares us free. But we need to chase down and win over every area of our lives until... What God has done for us permeates everything that we are and everything that we do. So some of you guys are stuck in a habit. You need to chase that thing down and you need to destroy it. You need to, you need to, you need to wring its neck. And you need to, by, by choice, remind yourself, by, because what Jesus did for me, I can win over this area of my life. Because of what Christ has done for me, I now have power. I have been, I've been declared free. And I'm going to live free indeed because of what Christ has done for me. You're going to take that addiction, you're going to chase it down, and you're going to become free. You'll work at it, strive at it, sweat over it, and win through Jesus.
Now, I told you I was going to come back and talk about Sam Adams. All right, you guys dying to know what I'm going to say about Sam Adams. This is, the, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. All right, so that Sam Adams, right, who we all know is one of the founding fathers of American culture, right? That is not Sam Adams' picture. That's not the real Sam Adams' picture. In fact, the real Sam Adams' photo, the real Sam Adams, he was so ugly that when they were discussing their marketing, they said he's too ugly to use as the face for our Sam Adams adult beverage brand. So you know who that is? That's Paul Revere. That's Paul Revere. Is that crazy? So that's not even Sam Adams. But they didn't want to call it Paul Revere. They wanted to call it Sam Adams. So they just stole Paul Revere's face and put it on their brand. Isn't that crazy? That's so funny to me. I think that's hilarious. Here's the thing. I believe some of us as Christians, we bear the name of Jesus, but we aren't reflecting his image. We might bear his, we might bear his name, we might be free, but we aren't free indeed. We're not living free. And maybe just maybe today, God brought you here for this moment, for such a time as this, for you to be reminded that God hates slavery. God hates people being in bondage. God hates the fact that we might be stuck in our sin and our junk and that it causes us pain. See, God, God wants us to be free. We have a God that wants for his children to live free, to not be stuck, to not be owned, to not be stuck and, and, and no, with nowhere to go. He wants us to be free indeed. Pray with me. Lord, we, we, we right now, we just, we're reminded that you love us. That you paid such an amazing price for our salvation. And you long for each one of your kids to know you and to continue to walk with you and grow and change and mature. But ultimately, God, we understand through your words today that you want us to be free. God, we declare what you said. When the Son has set us free, we're free indeed. When the Son has set us free, we are free indeed. God, when the Son, when you have set us free, I am free. God, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna live in that today. We're going to recognize that today. God, we're going to claim that today, God. And today we're going to go out, we're going to chase down this stuff that breaks your heart, that is crushing us. And we're going to be reminded what you've done for us and how we can have strength and be free through you. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.